Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Get your advanced PhD in WOW from Floor and Decor. If you're a pro, you're already an expert in tile, wood, and stone. And with Floor and Decor's job site delivery, their free design services, and pro rewards that actually reward you, your business is set to grow from one client to the next. Floor and Decor isn't just a couple of aisles. It's an entire store designed to help your business boom. It's Floor and Decor. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Well, today on the show, we have Antonio Centeno. He's the owner of Real Men Real Style, and also he's the man who has written the vast majority of our style content on the Art of Manliness since 2008. And today on the podcast, Tony and I are talking men's style. We're discussing the military origins of much of the clothing that men wear today. Everything from suits to t-shirts to even shorts have their origins in the military. And then we also discuss the science of style. Tony's done a lot of research this past two years about what science says, how dressing sharp can affect how you think about yourself and how others perceive you as well and how that can benefit not only your love life, because I know it's a big reason why guys get into dressing sharp they want to impress uh, a romantic partner, but also your career and also your friendships with other men. It's a really fascinating discussion. I think you're going to like it. So let's get on with the show. Antonio Centeno, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brett. It is nice to meet you. you, know, <laughs> you wait, sorry. So for those of you who don't know, like, Tony and I go way back since like 2008 when yeah, the Art when of first, first started. I, I still remember that email. You contacted me through a random blog over at my first website, A Tailored Suit, and you're like, hey, uh, you, your articles are pretty good. You want to come right over here because yeah. we're starting to write about style, but you seem like you know what you're talking about. And I had no idea what you were trying to do. I think you still had the frugal law student at the time. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I'd have to say it really came down to, I liked your mission. I like this guy's trying to help men be better men. I can buy into that. You know, I, I had a, you know, a young son at the time. My daughter was on the way and I was like, Hey, I can buy into this. This is solid. Yeah. And, and since then it's been off to the races. I mean, we've been going strong since yeah. then. You're the style guy. It's it, I, I, And I'm expanding out. You know, we've got a, a number of different things that we've expanded into, but I love communication. I love the way that we're able to use visuals to send a message. And that's uh, kind of, I think, what we wanted maybe to talk about today and talk about why it's, why it's manly, why it's masculine to care about your appearance. Because a lot of what I talk about is grounded in science and it's grounded in history. And when you talk to a guy about that, he starts to realize that, no, it's not feminine to care about, just care about your appearance. It actually is something that, that's very masculine, very manly, and really does make a difference. And I think you were just talking about a study uh, about testosterone. Yeah. To this. So I'm doing, so before we're talking, got on the show, uh, Tony, I were talking, I'm doing a research on the effect of testosterone on behavior. And one study 
they found is that men with higher testosterone levels are actually more vain than men with lower testosterone levels, right? Because like you care about your appearance if you have high testosterone because that's how you attract women. That's how you intimidate uh, potential enemies. Um, and it's how you, I guess, showcase your allegiance to a group. So you take a lot of care in how you present yourself. But how that vanity manifests itself is going to vary from like tribe to tribe or culture to culture. But there is going to be, if you have higher testosterone, you're going to care about how you look. So for example, a group you might not think would care about how they look, biker gangs, for example, they actually care a lot about how they look because the way their jackets are presented, the way they do their hair, tattoos, etc., manifest their allegiance to their gain and is sort of their identity and sort of like an intimidation factor, right? And if you're like lower testosterone, you probably just like wear like sweatpants and a hoodie every day and not really care uh, one way or the other how you looked. And the same thing is seen in the military. Uh, I remember when I was in the Marines, it was something that you measured the exact, I mean, to, I mean, to the centimeter, you knew exactly where your ribbons were going to be how they were supposed to look on your chest, uh, where each of the patches, each of the tabs, everything went, although we didn't use as many as the Army does. But it is something that when it comes to uniforms, the Marines were very, very proud that we were the best-looking service when it came to our uniforms. And we, we love that, you know, especially getting all dressed up for the Marine Corps ball. You got, you know, a beautiful woman on your arm, and you go out there, and you have a great time, and you start a fight and, you know, wake up in a ditch at some point. But, but the, the point was your uniform looked pretty darn good going in there. I mean, and that was something I, I think you also asked a question, Brett, about it seems like a lot of things come out of the military when it comes to men's style. And that that makes a lot of sense because if you think about it, the best way to start a trend is to force a million men to dress in the same way or, or to go down a certain path and wear something and they like it, they get used to it, and we're creatures of habit. Men, when they find a brand, when they find particular items that they like, we stick with them. We're, we're not you know, going through every season changing out. We, we've got a, day, a jacket that we like. We're going to wear it again and again until it falls apart. And uh, that's one of the things I love about, you know, men's style is that it does have that strong base in history. Uh, if you focus on function of clothing, a lot of our, from our jackets, it's not that, and a lot of guys complain, oh, the jacket isn't comfortable. Well, that's because it doesn't fit you properly. But if the jacket fits you properly, especially anyone that's ever worn a military a uniform or jacket, I remember uh, we, you know, it was something that you could actually, we would have pull-up contests after you had a couple beers and you're still in your dress blues, you could still jump up on a pull-up bar and knock out 20 pull-ups if you, you know, because of the height of the armhole on the jacket and the way it fits you so, so well, that it still gave you full function of movement. That's something that I always focus on with, with style is it's not, I don't dress just for the clothes, you know, it's not about the clothing. It's about how it sends that message and how if it fits you well, it still gives you full, you know, full form of you know, movement and it sends that message that you're strong, that you're masculine, getting back to your point about high levels of testosterone. Well, let's think about, let's go into the animal kingdom. If a peacock, if a lion, if they are exposed and they're co- coming from a lineage of high testosterone, of very being very desirable, they're going to have a very strong, if it's a lion, he's going to have a very strong and healthy mane. If a, if a lion has, has disease or has certain issues wrong with them and they're getting older, then actually the size of the mane drops, uh, their, their ability. I mean, they just don't look as healthy. And that's one of the things that we're, if you have a lot of testosterone, you want to look healthy, not just 
for the opposite sex, also for your fellow males who, in a sense, there's, a, there's always kind of a pecking order. And, and that's one of the reasons we put off that image. So uh, for human males, what would be the features that you would use style, the way you dress to accentuate, to show like, hey, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm high status. What are some of those features? Okay, so let that's and that's one of the reasons I love the jacket. So everyone always says, Antonio, you always say that the ailment to anything is to throw on a sports jacket, throw on a suit jacket. I'm like, yeah, you know, for a lot of for a lot of guys, nothing is going to beat what a jacket can do for your profile, for your silhouette uh, from a distance. One of the things the jacket does is it builds up a man's shoulders. So large shoulders, the higher up the shoulders, you can actually have a perception of being taller. So by building up the shoulders, it makes you look taller, it makes you look a bit leaner, but it's gonna make you look stronger. And that's something uh, that, you know, if you look in human beings, you know, as a male, you want, if you, as a child, if you received a healthy dose of testosterone, then you want to, in a sense, you, you, wanna, you wanna look stronger, you wanna have that muscle buildup in the upper chest area, and a jacket does help that. In addition, you want to have a bit, be a bit trimmer around the waist area. Uh, a larger gentleman, if you've got a, a larger midsection, you want to, you can, can kind of hide it a bit, but it, it's still one of those things that yeah, it's going to be best to be in, you know, to be in good shape. But if you've got, you know, 15 to 20 extra pounds around the midsection, a jacket can help trim you up. And that right there, you know, it also accentuates that you've got a big bit of curvature around the hips, not as much as a woman, but you still want to have strong hips, uh, you know, when, when it comes to human sexuality, that is attractive in a male. Another thing that the jacket does is it accentuates the size of the hands. Large hands are perceived as a very strong masculine trait. If you look at a well-fitted jacket, especially once it goes to the sleeve area, then all of a sudden, even if you've got smaller hands, then a well-fitted jacket is going to make your smaller hands look a little bit larger. And larger hands, uh, especially you know, if we get into, you know, don't want to go down this path too much, but if we look in apes or any large hands are perceived as a very attractive uh, trait because they enable you to grab onto things. Interesting. Yeah, there was one anthropologist I've read talking about uh, the shoulders on a male. It's sort of like a sexual signaler, but also a signaler to other males that you are strong. He called uh, male human shoulders uh, man antlers. And think about that. You know, so let's look at antlers on, you know, here in Wisconsin, people love deer. They've got them, you know, they, they got them on the back of their trucks and like little stickers. And during hunting season, of course, everyone's got them on the top of their trucks after they shoot one. But everyone's going after that buck with, you know, what is it? The 30 point buck or something, the mythical 30 point buck yeah. that doesn't exist. But when it comes to men, it's going to be in our shoulders. And the great thing about a jacket is it actually, it actually accentuates the shoulders. And when a man walks and if he knows he's being watched by a woman or he's around women or if he's around other men who he's looking to impress, he will actually sway his shoulders a bit more. Women actually do that with their hips. If they know that they're being watched, they will instinctively sway their hips a little bit more. So little things like that, being able to add kind of like a, like almost a little bit of a shiny tassel to the end of it just draws our attention to it even more and subconsciously sends the signal. This is the kind of guy that if you're a woman that you perhaps would want to meet, if you're a man that you would want to have, have your back in case you're in a fight in a dark alley. So let's go back to this. So going, linking up that science to the military, because we're talking about how a lot of men's clothing comes from the military. I guess military uniforms uh, were designed in a way to accentuate 
those masculine features, the, the wide, because like it seems like a lot of military jackets, the shoulders are very wide oftentimes. Yes. And, and it, oftentimes, I mean, there, there's two purposes with the military. It was function. You simply wanted something that, I mean, we go back to uh, the, the blucher, the, uh, one of the classic shoes. It actually was developed, uh, it used to be if you were in, if you were a foot soldier, you weren't always, I mean, you weren't issued uniforms. You pretty much had to show up with what you had. You had to, a lot of times officers definitely had the money to buy their own stuff. But foot soldiers, I mean, a lot of these guys were barefoot and that's horrible when you're having to march a lot, a long distance barefoot. So, you know, a lot of these shoes developed out of very simple ways. A general realized, okay, if I got, if, if, if my units, if my army is well equipped, they're actually going to perform better. So there was a huge function in a lot of the clothing. Another thing is being able to send signals of, you know, of larger strength and intimidation. Uh, you know, it, when you're on a battlefield and you've got, uh, you know, not whenever knights were charging on horses, you know, look, look at cavalry. Uh, so, so the cavalry, whenever it was coming in, part of it was a huge intimidation factor. Uh, not that those ribbons that were hanging down from the horse, they weren't necessarily going to protect the horse. But what they would do is they made it look like you had a wall coming towards you. And literally, you would have opposing forces just drop and run. And of course, then get mowed over. But so you're, you're sending visual signals, uh, other things. If you look at, I mean, we go back to the the tie, it's probably, if anyone's familiar with men's style, they know it came out of the Croatians, uh, the Croats, and they used it to actually, it was, it was a, to be able to signal what units they were with. But if you go even farther back and you look at the, uh, the terracotta soldiers uh, in China, they actually have scarves as well. So scarves and colors have been used to be able to designate military units for a long time. And that's one of the, uh, the, the beautiful things about that. And still to this day, if you go to uh, regimental neckties, uh, traditional English regimental neckties, they still use those and those signal different units. Yeah, well, going back to the regimental neckties, isn't it like the the way they angle, like shows it's the real deal and if they angle it the other way, then it's saying you're just, this is a phony. Yeah, you know, there is, it's, and I don't know, right? I forgot, I, I, I forgot I'm having a brain fart here. I don't remember which way it is, but we'll let someone uh, maybe correct, uh, correct us at some point, maybe at the art of manliness uh, community, they can go ahead and, and write about this. But yes, uh, one direction sign basic is a signal that is a true regimental necktie. The other angle is something that, Hey, this is probably an American version of this. I mean, we've ran with it and it used to be that a man was limited to the club's to the military units and to the organizations he was a part of as to what neckties he could actually wear. But yeah, they've expanded out since then. All right. So we have, so basically the suit is a relic, not a relic, but like that came from military, military yes, uniforms. Exactly. Uh, ties came from the military as well. Yes. Um, what other men's staples have come from the military? Uh, let's go ahead and let's look at headwear. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, if, if you if you look at hats and, and the function of them, a lot of guys are always asking me, Antonio, how can I bring a hat? How can I bring it into my wardrobe? And if you look at the first function of a hat, it's simply to protect you from the elements, to protect you from the sun. And I know my experience of wearing headwear pretty much was my five years in the Marine Corps. I wore a hat or call it a cover pretty much every day. And then you look at a number of hats uh, from you know, the classic fedora, which a lot of guys, you know, they feel it. you have to be a little bit more fashion forward to pull off unless you're really old school. But if you get down to some of the functional hats, like the Panama, I mean, you're in a hot weather environment. I mean, 
pull it off. No, I was just in an air show in Oshkosh this last summer. And that was a great place to be pulling off. You know, you can pull off a Panama, you can pull off a straw, but the function of the hat right there is, is solid. We can also look at the, the way that our clothing opens up. So if you look at the button placement, one way if a lot of people ask, they find maybe a trench coat and they're like, oh, this looks like a great trench coat. But it's actually a woman's trench coat because of the placement of the buttons. Usually on a man's jacket, we're going to have the buttons on the right side and then it's going to flap over. On a woman's jacket, uh, you're going to have usually the opposite. And the reason for this was the placement of our weapons. Most people were right-handed and so you wanted to be able to reach over and slide your hand right in, be able to grab your sword, be able to grab, grab your sidearm. So that's one of the reasons that uh, we've got the actual positioning of the buttons on much of our clothing. We can also get into uh, uh, other things. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd say the length of, of a lot of our jackets. Jackets used to be a bit longer, and it wasn't. It was when men started to ride in vehicles such as tanks, such as aircraft, that we started to see uh, like the bomber jacket, uh, the, the field jacket. All of these were actually made a bit shorter so a man could get in and out of a vehicle, whether it be a tank, whether it be a Jeep, whether it be an aircraft. Didn't Eisenhower design like his own jacket? Supposedly, I think he had a lot of, you know, he, I, I'm thinking he had his own tailor there and it was something that he was able to say, Hey, I want to get this adjusted. It's just, it's, it's snagging on my Jeep. Yeah. And, you know, someone took that and ran with it and probably made it a bigger story. I don't think he was staying up at night, you know, coming up designing with, clothing. No, yeah. He had other things to worry about. Yeah. Namely, like uh, D-Day. Freeing Europe. Yeah. yeah Freeing Europe. <laughs> okay. So yeah, well, a lot of our, our, our formal wear uh, suits, like even do tuxedos have a military history? They they do in the sense of the build of them, but the idea with the tuxedo was, okay, a man's been on a horse all day. He's been in the stables. He's been out working. So there needed to be a clear designation. I mean, when you look at a military uniforms, when we're out in the field, we're not wearing our dress uniforms. We're wearing our camis or the thing that's designed for the field. However, whenever you make the transition, we wanted there to be a clear distinction of when you're going to celebrate, when you're showing up in garrison and you want, you know, everyone to kind of know who you are and you're making this announcement. So the same thing was with black tie, the idea of having something that you could wear in the evening to dinner that you clearly did not wear out in, uh, you know, working out in the barn. That's where black tie comes from. Gotcha. All right. So suit tie, a lot of our casual wear comes from the military, like t-shirts and chinos, like our staple of a lot of men's wardrobes, but that, that has a military connection. Can you talk about that? Sure. Uh, let's go ahead and get to, you know, the color khaki and supposedly out of the British military, they showed up with certain colors which were getting stained, a lot of white. Uh, and it just simply, it was easy to manufacture. And so they took supposedly coffee or tea, I don't remember which one, and they were staining a lot of their clothing so that they wouldn't have to spend time uh, actually trying to get stains out of that. Uh, we also see that with the terminology of blue collar. Uh, this doesn't so much have a military origin, but I think it's an interesting, you know, look at denim and you look at blue collar, the word in general, but it goes back to blue work shirts, which were dyed blue because indigo was cheap and it did a great job of covering up stains. So again, that's why, I, you know, what I get excited about with clothing is you look at the history and you look at the function of it and then you see how we can bring it in. Um, what, what was the other one you mentioned? T-shirts. Uh, T-shirts, exactly. So, yeah, T-shirts were developed supposedly in the uh, United States Navy, and they be started becoming – they were initially in underwear. The idea was that you could have something that was very inexpensive that fit close to the body that would get dirty so you didn't have to spend a lot of time washing your outer clothing. 
and that's so it was designed as the undershirt. Uh, a lot of guys, when they're up, one of the, the privileges of being on a boat is that you get to swap the deck. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not a privilege. And it, but it's a lot of work, and you do it uh, often. They say the commander, you know, or the captain, he'll say it's because of maintenance. But as everyone knows, it's simply a form of torture being up there. <laughs> and you're oftentimes in the hot sun. You've got this, uh, especially like if you're the, you know, you're the Gulf of Aden or, or you're over in the Persian Gulf. I mean, it's just incredibly hot. Uh, I remember we were off the coast of Djibouti. And yeah, I felt like that was, I've never been to, yeah, I, I, if there is a hell, I felt that this would definitely be what it was like. Cause it was the hottest. In any case, you're up on the deck and guys are out there swabbing the deck and they're going to take off their clothing. And so guys came out used to wearing their t-shirts. What we saw in the 1950s, you look at, uh, go back to classic movies, like, uh, I think it's the wild one, uh, with Marlon Brando. And I mean, that's when guys started wearing T-shirts. In fact, when he wore that T-shirt, only a T-shirt on screen, that was a big deal. In the 1980s, we saw the T-shirt come around as a fashion piece. And now it's become a de facto piece. In fact, most younger people, they realize, well, haven't we always worn T-shirts? No, we actually used to wear work shirts when you actually showed up. And I still, to this day, advocate that a man wear a work shirt. If he owns like a blue collar, let's say you own a plumbing or electrical company, actually get a series of work shirts made with, that send trust and also protect your workers from, you know, from scalding pipes or anything if they're underneath working at a person's house. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suit started at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. If you're like my family, we're getting to the busy part of the year. Spring sports are happening, a lot of after-school activities. So sometimes planning and cooking dinner, just don't have time for that. That's where Factor Meals comes in. With Factor, you get fresh, never-frozen meals that are chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. With Factor, you get restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prepping, no cooking, no cleanup needed. It's also less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian-approved to be nutritious and delicious. So we've been using Factory Meals in the McKay household for a while now. There's a lot of reasons why we like them. First off, the food tastes great. Last week, I had creamy pesto pork chop with spinach, cauliflower, rice, roasted green beans. Tasted fantastic. But the big selling point, it's easy. There's no cooking. There's no cleaning up. It's great for those nights when you're busy and you don't have much time uh, to to take care of dinner and you don't want to do takeout because you feel gross after takeout. If you'd like to try Factory Meals, head to factorymeals.com slash manliness50 and use code MANLINESS50 to get 50% off. That's code MANLINESS50 at factormeals.com slash MANLINESS50 to get 50% off. Check it out today, and make sure to check out the creamy pesto pork chop. It's really good. 
Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best, become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. Awesome. So we've, we've talked about the, the military connection to men's clothing. Um, but let's talk a little more about the science. Um, so we talked a little bit about how uh, typically on the studies, research shows that if you have higher testosterone levels, you're going to be a little more vain or a little more concerned about how you present yourself. But you've done a lot of research on what happens when you do start taking care of yourself, how other people perceive you. And how that can affect your professional life or your romantic life. What's some of the, the research you've come across that sort of uh, very convincing that, you know, maybe you should care about how you present yourself and how you dress? Well, one of the things I, I like to throw out and challenge people, we've got a, probably a lot of people listening that think of themselves as rational people. We like to think we're rational, smart human beings, that we're not influenced by these visuals. And Every study I see out there, I mean, we are just incredibly irrational. Even, you know, maybe if you're Spock, maybe Spock was the only person out there, but he was only half human. Uh, so understanding that you are not rational, then you start to look at these things that have had an effect. And this one actually did come out of the military. What they did is they studied in the 1920s why certain officers were always getting ranked higher than others. And they, they call it the halo defect. Nowadays, it's called the halo effect. But the idea is that more attractive, basically people that we perceive to be something, we will attribute other positive things to them. So they saw this with military officers. A military officer that looked like the ideal military officer was consistently ranked higher than those that didn't. I saw this in the Marine Corps. And to this day, if you can, in a sense, send that positive message, you can have an effect on others. Because... If you imagine what a successful person looks like, 
and you, I mean, you, we think of people like maybe, you know, Larry, Larry Ellison over at Oracle. Uh, maybe, you know, we, we think of Warren Buffett. Maybe someone thinks of Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. In any case, we've got an image of what that person looks like. And even in the case of Steve Jobs, he actually had a bit of a uniform that he wore. Uh, but most of those people are going to be dressed relatively nice, um, especially if we start getting into more conservative industries like law or banking or consulting. And the, the point is, is that the ideal of success and what that person looks like in our head, very rarely does he ever look like a slob. And so knowing that, if you can meet that ideal visually, then people are going to attribute positive things to you despite you not having earned them. And that is the halo effect. And that has been shown again and again. That's why, you know, when we meet an attractive person with a great smile, nice white teeth, they, they look good, we just assume that they're going to work out at the company. And, and we give them the benefit of the doubt. And when they make a mistake, we don't like to think we're wrong. We want to say, well, it must be an anomaly versus if somebody shows up and they just got that bad first impression. Perhaps we see a tattoo that we almost we, we're like, yeah, is that like a gang tattoo or he's got tattoos all over his hands or perhaps going down his neck or he's got like an eye. Uh, I mean, this may be a great person, but if he's got a teardrop underneath his eye, you know, that's not we, we many people have a negative association with that type of tattoo. And despite his best efforts, he's having to, to go that uphill battle. So, well, here's a question. I was sure. Gonna, so like you're a business owner, right? How do you, how do you not let the halo effect affect your hiring decisions? Right. I try to, cause maybe, yeah. cause maybe, you know, cause yeah, there's that idea of like, if he looks presentable, he looks successful, then, uh, if I need like a coder, but he does not a very good coder, I'm still going to hire him because I think he's a good coder because he looks competent, right. Cause the way he presents himself. That could backfire on you as a business owner. Uh, so what do you do if you know, I'm sure there's a lot of managers and hiring managers who are listening? How do you overcome the halo effect if you want if results are what matter to you in the end? You know, the first two levels of I, and I run people through a number of hoops before I hire them. But the first parts, I don't even see them. In fact, I don't even see their resumes. I don't want them to send me a resume. I don't want them to send me a picture of themselves. I simply said, this is a these are a number of things I want to see you answer and you, based off of something that is kept the same for everyone, and they're able to show me what they're able to do in a non-scripted way. Because uh, I, if I see that they went to Harvard, I'm going to have a positive bias. And that's, you know, I, but when it comes down to it, I don't want to have that. I want to look, because when it comes down to it, as most business owners know, it really comes down to what can that person do to help my company succeed? And it doesn't matter what school they went to. Uh, I don't care if they didn't go to school. What I care about is can you do the job? And so my first couple hurdles of getting into my company, I don't even want to see any of that. And then, and then we have the Skype interview. Then we have the phone interview. And I will take note of, okay, does this person have, you know, can they present themselves well? Uh, then the Skype, I, I definitely do oftentimes see them. Uh, but I, I've probably got it better than most because most of the people I work with, I work with remotely. So we don't see each other very often. And I'm often surprised by uh, how people look when I meet them because we do get a different image in in our head of what that person's going to look like. Yeah, I've had that happen to me a couple times. So uh, there was a person I worked with over email that was named Muggs. And I just assumed, okay, it's a dude. And 
uh, finally I, I met them in person, and uh, it was it was a, this nice lady. And I was like, oh. And so I had to ask about the na- nickname Mugs, and apparently it's a it's, it's a nickname for that's short for Margaret, um, <laughs> which I didn't know, um, but now I do. So there's there's an example of creating a, an image in your head without really having any details. But here's a question I had: You brought up Skype interviews. What should someone wear for a Skype interview? Because that's becoming more and more common. Instead of companies flying you out uh, to do the interview, they're just doing it over Skype. So, I mean, should you dress up for a Skype interview? Like, I mean, it'd be kind of weird. I mean, I think that sounds kind of weird, right? You're in your your kitchen and then you put on a suit. I mean, should you do that if you're doing a Skype interview? I think you should. Well, it depends on the job. I mean, if you are applying to work with a bank, it's a remote position. And everyone at the bank wears a suit, then, yeah, I mean, to me, it immediately sends the signal that you didn't just roll out of bed. Without saying a word, you quickly say, I took the time to be prepared. Every time I've, and I meet with a lot of people on Skype, oftentimes people just want to talk with me. I'm always blown away at how, I guess they think I'm going to judge them on how they dress, but it's always, it makes me smile when I see someone looking sharp. Oftentimes they're dressed sharper than I am. I'm wearing a sweater or something. And I see this person wearing a full suit and looking sharp and I always compliment them. It makes them feel great. So I would say, yes, it's important, but here's something that focus on the audio. Uh, that's something on a Skype interview, a lot of people drop down. I would say you should, if you're going to be doing a number of Skype interviews, invest in a solid microphone and a good camera and make sure you've got a decent internet connection. I just had a presentation uh, the other day that was shown to me and there was a dog in the background barking. And as much as I wanted to pay attention to the presentation, we're just all kind of laughing because there's this dog back there and it did detract from the presentation. Um, and, and try to control what you can. That's what, to me, when when you dress sharp for an interview, you realize that maybe she couldn't have controlled that. That wasn't her yard. You know, it was the neighbor's dog. She she, had, but she did everything else right. She had great slides, and I understand that. But if you don't if you don't take control of what you can, then that sends the signal to me that well, how do I expect this person to work for me? Gotcha. All right, so. Uh, Dressing well, you take advantage of the halo effect. Uh, what are some of the other, uh, what else has research, research says that if you take uh, some care into your appearance, that what are the benefits? Well, we've talked about how it affects other people, but it also affects you. And there's a whole body of science called enclosed cognition. And they've done a lot of research over at Northwestern and a few other universities in which they show when people wear things, it has an effect on them. Uh, an extreme example would be, you know, if, if a football player, you know, let's say the University of Oklahoma, you know, football team goes out on the field, everyone's, you know, excited, you know, we're, we're you know, Norman, everyone's going crazy. But then they realize, wait a minute, those guys are wearing, you know, ballerina tutus. It's going to have an effect not only on on the the crowd, but it's going to have an effect on the players. They're going to be a little bit embarrassed. They're going to wonder, why are we, I mean, doesn't, they, they're just not going to, be able to play that well and they're probably going to lose to the university of texas you know but uh <laughs> you know who who won this year did ou win this year yeah that's true that's okay true. there we yeah. go yeah yeah i i'm if anyone doesn't know like brett went to went to uh oklahoma university and i went to ut so yeah we got that I, there's a lot of ut people in my life for some reason yeah i don't know how that happens. i don't know how that happens yeah okay so the body of enclosed cognition amazing so the study that they did that blew everyone away was they took 
two populations, they give, they give them the same white jacket. And they told one group, hey, these are doctor jackets. The other group, they said, these are painter smocks. And they did these number, series of exams. And what they found, people that wore the doctor jackets performed statistically higher on every category than the guys wearing painter jackets. The reason being, when they were wearing those doctor jackets, they felt a little bit smarter. They felt like they had to pay more attention. And, do, and, and if you think about that, women have known this for a long time. I remember when I was getting my MBA at Texas, a friend of mine, she looked really good one day. And normally she dressed down. And I, I asked her, I'm like, are you feeling okay today? Are you a little bit sick? And she said, yeah, how'd you know? And I'm like, well, it's a trick that, you know, I know my sisters talk about, which is when they feel sick, they dress sharp and they dress sharp because they know they're going to get compliments all day and it makes them feel better. And that, that has an effect on us because it's from people giving us compliments to us feeling like we are in control, somewhat control of the situation. And I know you've done a lot of research and you've got a number of people talk about, you know, when you're in a situation in which you can't control it, like you're strapped to a rocket going into space, well, focus on something you can control, like your breathing. And all of a sudden, you feel more confident. You feel you, you don't panic. And that's one of the powers of cognition and focusing on, on your image. Because you can't, maybe you can't control what are going to be those test exams or what's going to be those test questions, but you can control how you prepared and that you got this, got sleep, that you, you know, your shoes are shine, that you look good, that you've received five compliments on the way to your exam. Mm -hmm. And I've heard, I've had a number of students reach out to me and say, Antonio, I did exactly what you said. I dressed up for my exam and I performed higher than I thought I would. It sounds very familiar. It's very similar to the, um, that Stanford experiment, uh, where they done in the seventies, they had to shut it down because it was just, horrible was happening so they got they took a group of students and they made one group prison guards and the other group prisoners and uh they put uniforms on the prison guards and they put like prison clothes on the prisoners and just right away uh the prison guards just started treating the the prisoners like crap and they finally had to shut it down because there's just like psychological torture going on um, but it's very simple. Yes, yeah, just putting on the uniform can change the way not only others uh, treat you, but how you think of yourself and what you're willing to do. Yeah, the FBI did a study in which they again they took they took guys, they put them in two different rooms, they give them the same problem, and they said, "What are you going to do in this hostage situation?" And one group said, "We're going to go down, and kick down the door, and we're going to you know shoot the hostages in the head." The other group said, "No, we're going to negotiate." Now, the only difference between those two populations was what they were wearing. One group was dressed in camis. And of course, you, when you're dressed in camis, you're thinking action. I'm going to go kick down the door. The problem with that is you almost always have, you lose some of the hostages versus the other group, which is the preferred negotiations is, you know, they were wearing suits. And that's one of the reasons if you think about, you know, in civilian leadership, you, you want, I mean, having been, a, you know, around military guys, we think like military guys, we, we feed off each other and we're all about action. Yeah. And it, one thing we've talked a lot about the site, uh, and I get questions about this all the time is like, Brett, you know, like I'm 25 getting on to, you know, or 30 and I, I don't feel like a grown man. What can I do? And like, one of the easiest things I tell them to do is like, we'll start dressing like a grown man, you know, kind of upgrade, make simple upgrades in your wardrobe. Like, you know, don't move from a t-shirt to a polo shirt. Um, Stop wearing cargo shorts all the time and invest in a pair of just nice khaki shorts or a pair of chinos. And you'll be surprised how that'll affect how you perceive yourself. 
completely agree, man. Uh, this is uh, you're preaching to the choir. Preaching I, I, the I choir. love preaching, preaching to, to the, the choir. choir. Yeah, and so okay. So anything else? Any other research? Well, how about facial hair? You you've written about facial hair and how that affects how people perceive you. You know, and it it goes from culture to culture, but in general, having a bit of stubble is shown to actually be attractive. It shows that you've got a healthy uh, dose of testosterone, usually smoother faces, uh, especially, you know, when it comes down to it, I don't think it's as powerful as actually being in shape. A lot of the stuff I talk about when it comes to style, it can be negated if you're really in poor shape, if you've got a heavy chin. But the great thing is if you've got a double chin, you know, growing a little bit of facial hair does a great job of elongating the face and hiding that double chin. So that's where it can become very powerful. And it sends that signal that you're a good provider. But I would say when it comes to beards, there's a lot of mixed research out there. Uh, I'd say it comes down to more confidence and, and, and you know, wear it with confidence. You're, you've been seeing them have a big comeback as of late. And I think that's a good thing, but it, it's something that, you know, just make sure that you own look. Um, I, another thing, and when it comes down to aggression, they do show that if you want to scare people, definitely grow a beard and, you know, you know, Leonidas just wouldn't look like Leonidas if he wasn't screaming with that beard. You know, so shave him down, give him that clean-cut face. He's not going to nearly be as intimidating to the Persians. So. No way. What about mustaches? Mustaches. Ah, you know, they've gotten a bad rap, and I know you get a lot. Does anyone ever say anything about your mustache, Brett? I mean, I get compliments all the time when I'm out and about, like, hey, awesome mustache. And that's the only thing I get. Um, and it's like it's become sort of like that's how people identify me. Uh now it's like the art of manliness is the must my mustache i'll be out like at the grocery store or like quick trip and like hey mustache art of manliness guy i'm like yeah so i think if i shave my mustache off i would become completely unrecognizable uh i think you would too and and i think that's the power of the mustache you have to realize that if you're gonna if you're gonna own it you or if you're gonna wear it you have to own it because you you will be the only guy most likely in the room with a mustache uh that's not especially if you're under the age of 50. it's going to be one of those things that you just need to wear with confidence there are you know some negative uh, you know charlie chaplin you know he he definitely didn't have the most you know he had a great career but then he had some negative things that popped up but then hitler just ruined ruined the mustache He did. He ruined that. It was called the little tramp for a while, but then Hitler destroyed that one. So don't ever go, you know, that's not when you want to go down. And there also is, I hear a lot of people will make comments, people that, you know, remain anonymous on the web, but they say it reminds them of like of a child molester or something like that. Yeah. You know, I'm like, you know, okay. You know, I can see some people saying that, but I think if you smile, it, it definitely sends a signal that you've got a healthy dose of testosterone. And that's what it comes down to is that when it comes to signaling strength, and that you are either a great mate or you're a great person to have your back and to be a p- business partner with that, you know, I, I think it's a good thing. Grow if, a mustache. Grow a mustache. Why grow not? Must, why not? Become uh, memorable. Become memorable. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. On YouTube, uh, a lot of the discussion on my videos always revolves around my mustache and whether I should shave it or not. <laughs> And you're going to let YouTube, you might as well have like a big voting. I should. I should let YouTube decide the anonymous commenters on YouTube, what I should do. Like they tell, yeah, like how I should dress. I had someone say I dress like a dad. Yeah. What? Can you believe that? Like, like well, well, I'm a dad. Good you thing, are? Yeah. <laughs> I am a, a good thing I dress like a dad because I'm a dad. Anyways, yeah. So we must, okay. 
Um, so let's talk about this. You got something coming up, uh, something pretty exciting. It's called StyleCon. Can you talk a little bit about that and what's going on there? Yeah, it's going to be May 1st through 3rd in Atlanta, Georgia. And if anyone goes to the website, menstylecon.com, uh, and, you know, it's definitely something that we're excited about. You are going to be there, so I'm excited to have you there, Brett. We're also going to have – my partner is Aaron Marino over at uh, I Am Alpha M. And if you find my style advice boring or a little bit uptight, go check out Aaron. He has – it's just amazing. He's funny. He's entertaining. And he covers style in a way that, uh, let's just say, I probably wouldn't go down the path that he does sometimes, but I love him. He is an amazing person. We've also got Ryan Masters from uh, Spartan Strength coming in and Raphael Schneider over at Gentleman's Gazette. Just I'm bringing the who's who of when it comes down to, I think, men's uh, men's lifestyle to one location. I haven't seen anyone do anything like this. And I'm excited about it because I want to bring in I, I would say people that want to meet us in person and just shake hands, realize that, hey, we're regular people just like you. And I think that's important so that men realize, especially young men, that they are capable of anything and that we are here to support them and really want to see them take that net, that jump because the world needs more, better men. Awesome. So what, what's that site again that can people find out? Men'sStyleCon.com. Awesome. Well, Tony, as always, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Hopefully we can have you on again and uh, get some more insights about, about men's style. Sounds good, Brett. All right. Thanks, Tony. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Our guest here is Antonio Centeno. He's the owner of Real Men Real Style. You can visit his site at realmenrealstyle.com and get access to just lots of great free content on improving your style. Also, make sure to check out Tony's style content on our website, artofmanliness.com, category style and grooming, or dressing grooming, excuse me. And also, if you are interested in attending StyleCon, you can find out more information about that at menstylecon.com. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And also, please, I'd really appreciate it if you check out our store, store.artofmanliness.com. We have a great-looking coffee mug there that's a huge, beastly thing. We uh, have a Ben Franklin-inspired journal. It's inspired by Ben Franklin's virtue journal that he made for himself when he was a young man kind of track his moral progress. We also have our books there, posters, a lot of great stuff. Go check it out. Your purchases there will support the podcast and the site. So I'd really appreciate it at shop.artofmanliness.com. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Hot off the press from Maybelline, New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.